AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. I heard about today's guests, I think about 2009. I have some dear friends named Larry and Ann Reed that own Millennium Restaurant, and I met them in 2009 when I presented for the first time at one of the McDougal Advanced Study Weekends, I think it was the Celebrity Chef Weekend. And they told me about this magical place that they go often, maybe for birthdays and anniversaries on the Mendocino Coast, that is entirely vegan. It's a resort that's entirely vegan. It's pet friendly. And it sounds like the most amazing place in the world. I've never been there. I've had friends that have been there like Sharon and Justin and everybody says it is just magical. It's unbelievable. It's vegan. And it's called the Stanford Inn. Please welcome the owners, the founders, the innkeepers, Joan and Jeff Stanford. I'm so excited to find out more about your magical place. Oh, thanks AJ for having us. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm going to let, I'll let Joan go with this. You hear her voice better. You just told us. <laughs> no, just because you, you were backed up a little bit. So tell us about this place. What gave you the idea for it? How long have you done it? Just anything you want, because I think a lot of people aren't aware of it. <laughs> well, this I can say this much. The easy part. Um, <laughs> we've been here 40 years as of September 15th past the last month. Um, which is unbelievable to us. I mean, we were really, really young. I was pregnant at the time. And today, right now, as we're talking, my, our daughter is here with her little kids and we have a little grandson and a little granddaughter. And anyway, uh, time passes. And the grand dog, she, she, she wants to go and freeze. But I, I can't believe it's been 40 years. But anyway, that's how long it's been. And uh, we wanted to have a life that allowed us to be um, on the coast, number one, uh, we were always wanting that. And we had gotten into innkeeping rather accidentally, but anyway, yeah. you go from there. It's really simple. Um, I'm an anthropologist by training. Joan at that time was a sociologist and been working uh, with youth in, through the Red Cross program in Manitoba. And we decided we wanted to live on the West Coast. Well, try to get jobs in those fields where everybody else wants to live in the middle 70s. So we took a job running a tiny inn, nine rooms at the time I expanded it to 10, um, to, to uh, in Carmel, which is like an ideal spot. And it was a good spot for kids then. And we were kids and we were 29 and Joan was 27 because the, the uh, place was full of hippies and it was a fun place to be. I don't know that it's the same anymore, but we moved here when a partnership that we later got into went south and we came up here with the idea of integrating our life so that where you live and where you where you worship, where you um, work, all are one place, like the small family farm. And that's what guided us was that vision to have something like a small family farm and instead of animals, which suits us today particularly well, um, we decided to take care of visitors. Well, was it always vegan? And were you guys always vegan? Tell us your story about this. No, we weren't vegan. Um, we were certainly not vegan. I, I cooked um, as a hobby just because, just particularly when I was in grad school and Joan was working, I, I took up cooking just to have something to do to get away from writing and um, not vegan at all. But in 1985, so that was five, after, five years after we got here, I became vegan when I realized I wouldn't kill Vegetarian, chicken. vegetarian. Well, I didn't know. I, I, I did not want to harm animals. I had a discussion with Gene Bauer about this. And vegan is the attitude that you don't want to harm animals to eat or in any other way, which was my ethos at that time. 
I didn't know about eggs and dairy. So to us, that, 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 dis that distinction is really important, at least to me, because if you've got somebody that understands that they made a choice not to eat meat uh, because, they th because of, of what it does to animals, obviously it kills them and there's torture and all that involved, um, you've got them. If they're eating dairy, you can say, well, the dairy industry really is under, is under, underlies the meat industry and this is how, and then you can talk to them about what happens to male chickens in a hatchery. You've got them. They, they will listen and they make changes. Vegan is different than vegetarian. Vegetarian is often about just eating a little bit better so that you live longer. Nice. But the, but the inn wasn't always vegan, correct? No, we, we, we it didn't have, it didn't have a restaurant. When we first came, it was just a small, uh, what was it? 25 room, uh, 20, in 23 rooms. and it didn't have really even to, to, to make it work financially. We actually lived, um, in a unit and built an office out in front of the unit. And so it had a continental breakfast, a very basic continental breakfast, but it was good. It was we good. Found, we found great <laughs> coffee cakes up in Fort Bragg made in a brick, brick oven. They made specially for us. But it was very, that we did that until what year, 88 or 80, something. 80. And then we expanded the breakfast. Jeff cooked frittatas because we'd moved away from that unit into the barn where we currently live. And he could cook like real cooked items for breakfast because we just had a tiny little, like a, like a motel type kitchen when we first started, you know, under the counter type stuff. So it didn't have any, any food service at all, except that little breakfast. It was always vegetarian. It was always vegetarian. And then, and then it became, it became the, we, and the restaurant opened vegetarian. And then I. That was 90, what was that? 96. 96. And, and when I, and, and when I read the Humane Society of the United States declared that Clover Stornetta dairy, which is just south of us in Fuendarina and it's organic, was the most humane dairy in the world or in the United States. Sorry about that. Um, I went to their website and they said, We're, we cannot operate in a humane way. And this is why. And I immediately became vegan. And we turned the restaurant, it took a while, but we turned the restaurant into being vegan as quickly as I could. First, changing all the recipe. I write most of the recipes these days. And then too, I would at least approve them if, if I didn't write them. And we changed the recipes to um, vegan, and then we eliminated milk and eggs that became optional for guests at extra cost um, as, as soon as we could. I didn't like the cognitive dissonance, not just changing radically at the time that I learned that. And I didn't even know about what went on with hatcheries. And I learned virtually the same day, I decided I better look it up and see what was going on. And then I have a, 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 a kid that was raised here who was, um, never told me about what was going on, and I got mad at him. That was Brendan. I, I said, why didn't you tell me what goes on in a hatchery? That would have changed everything about what I was doing. And he just, he just smiled, and that was all. I never have understood why he hadn't told me. Well, maybe he's not so much of an advocate. But, but we were like a lot of people. You know, we went vegetarian, right, as Jeff said, very early on in our own life. And my daughter, I remember in high school, one of her really close friends was vegan. And I remember thinking that was just absolutely radical and ridiculous and she wouldn't use honey. And I mean, I had so many ideas about it. Um, and then it, it was a gradual education, a consciousness raising, you know, through people, including the wheats probably because Anne, of course- No, they never, they never spoke about it. They didn't? No, and there was nothing gradual about it. Nobody Everybody was really happy. I mean, like Ann and Larry were really happy about what we were doing. And after all, we've known them for years. I think we've 
first they first visited us in Carmel when they were still living in Hawaii, um, and then they ended up here. And uh, and when we turned the kitchen around, uh, I mean, when we created the vegetarian restaurant, at that time vegetarian, they came, but they obviously didn't eat the stuff with uh, cheese or whatever on it. And um, and they're I, I'm sure quite appreciative, although we've never actually spoken about it, but. This is the truth. I did not know, and I think it's really important. One of our my missions is to go out there and tell people that tell me they're vegetarian why I'm not vegetarian. I'm vegan. That's a different thing. And that's after all why the uh, vegan society was formed in England, just about the time I was born. And they took the first part of vegan and the last uh, the first part of vegetarian vegetarian and the last part of it. So they got the word vegan. Um, to describe the difference, to, to denote somebody that does not harm animals for any purpose unless absolutely necessary. That's actually how they phrase it. Um, I don't know why it'd be necessary to harm an animal. I'm not for animal testing either. I like what um, Neil Barnard is doing. Well, you know, the title of this broadcast is A Vegan Destination Rooted in Compassion, Sustainability, and Wellness. So how does the Stanford Inn do those three tenants? Okay, I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not doing okay. <laughs> I think he wants me to have some airspace here, but um, I defer to Jeff a lot because he, he really, he's so passionate about this and, and I'm more, um, you know, I, I like people to come to it, but he, he's really so well informed and he, and he does a really great job when he's talking about it. Um, but the wellness uh, came actually again, the whole thing kind of evolved organically because when it was just the smaller inn without a restaurant or anything, and we, we expanded, as Jeff said, in 95, 96, um, we, we had people come to us with different interests. Like we had a, a person that wanted to do massage, for example, and so she did in-room massage. We had another person that wanted a place to do uh, yoga, and she had been doing it, I think, in the foyer of the art center, and she there was some problem there or she couldn't do it anymore and she did it around the apron on our pool we have a lovely pool enclosed in a greenhouse and the apron you know around it was broad enough or wide enough so people could do their poses on their mats there so she started doing a yoga program here um, those were just accidental things and then the um the boat dock we had the boat dock that required that early on and well and yeah sorry i just want to put this in sequence very quickly uh, we did start with with boats uh, and specially made boats that and bikes in the 80s and Joan wanted to add blades and boards and we <laughs> did add, we did add we did add blades and boards but we have really unique redwood outrigger canoes uh, that we started acquiring in the in the 80s having made just east of here in uh, Potter Valley in Mendocino County um, yeah, but then it went, then, 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 then these other people came in and then and, it came and, and that's the gardening. When, in 1985, we decided to start farming here food and uh, fitting into the history of the land, which was the place where a lot of produce was grown for the logging industry because there was water, water here year round, which is rare on the, on the coast of California. And um, so we started that and in the late 80s, we started classes and from composting and dealing with heritage roses and growing all kinds of vegetables. And particularly on the coast, we were, we were doing classes. And the person leading that was a, a woman who still works with us, Dana Eckelberger. Um, and, and then 
we opened the restaurant, it was vegetarian as, as explained, but by then we had had a woman in 1990 come to us, I thought it was later, but she told me differently. And as Joan said, wanted to do massage. And so we didn't have a massage thing. And I thought it was unusual to do one at, what, at that time a bed and breakfast inn, but it, it took off. And we probably were the first bed and breakfast inn anywhere to have massage. And we took an outbuilding and turned it into a studio. And now it's quite a large studio. Um, the yoga came along the next year, 91, when the pool opened. And then um, the wellness center came along when we started doing class. Uh, when the inn expanded. When the inn expanded. Yeah. And we were taking, I, have you heard of the Natural Gourmet Cookery School, which is now called the Gourmet Natural Gourmet Institute in New York? Yes, my friend Darshana went there. Okay, so that, that school needed a place to send their vegan um, aspiring chefs to, uh, to, to, to get school, basically. New York wasn't as big with vegan as it is now. So they were sending their, their people for their internship, which is a 100-hour internship, to us. We had literally 100 of them, I think, in the first few years that we were open. Really good people that um, are doing an outstanding still today. And we started in 98 with that. And that's how our educational program became started. And then that transferred to teaching the general public cooking as well as gardening. And that moved into the full-on wellness program with Sid Garza Hillman, who you recently interviewed. Yeah, absolutely. And he, does, he does the cooking classes now. I mean, different people have done the cooking classes, but he does them now. And he also does a wonderful informational nutritional um, Class. I guess a class. Yeah. And then um, I had gone back in the 90s to get a, a um, graduate degree in art therapy. So I offered these creativity play shops at the end. So that allowed me to kind of integrate that aspect of me to the end because I started thinking that, you know, people come here and they have all this, these options to have a massage, to go for a hike, to go out the river, you know, a lot of good healthy things. But it's really important to reconnect to your own, you know, your inner creativity as well. And so that fit into the wellness, under the wellness umbrella and um, made me really happy to offer that here because the people, I don't call it therapy at all. And the people that come here have often not done anything or dabbled at all for years and years. And it's really fun to see them kind of activate that child spirit and, and, and have fun. And then they make something meaningful for themselves usually. And I got to add to that because we, we had, um, I had a mentor named Jack Schwartz, and some of your listeners may know who he is. And he came here and he performed, uh, moved, moving from Ashland, um, Oregon. And he, he came to do his programs here. And one was called the Personal Health Training. I'm sorry, a propane truck just passed. Um, okay. We're in the country. We're in the country. <laughs> and um, he did the personal health training and he would take pictures or his wife or one of his associates, he had several people training with him, would take pictures of people when they arrived to take this three day personal health training and then take a picture of them afterwards and their whole face would completely change. So I've been noticing, this is something I pay attention to. What happens to the people that attend one of our seminars or it takes one of Joan's classes, which is really an hour and a half to two hours and the transformation is remarkable on her classes. It's just like on that personal health training or our, 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 our vegan intensives and seminars like that that we hold here. The transformation though happens with Jones people in a short, very short period of time. And they go in there looking 
you know, like a little probably tense. a little a little weirded out by what is going to happen. <laughs> you know, they're not they're not they're, they're not there for a therapy. lot of times. They're really highly uh, technical type people or you know professional people that have that other side of their brain extremely engaged. And so I think it's a little intimidating. That's why I try to make it super permissive and playful. Um, but Jeff's right. But I do think it's because when we do something creative, just to express something um, without being really focused on it being something fabulous or a product that we can share, there's this child, this natural child comes alive. And so, of course, you're going to look younger and, and more open because you're in that other place. That, that's my theory anyway, because yeah. Jeff's mentioned it many times. And my experience is the child doesn't come alive. You come alive. Well, you're the, yeah, and, of course. And so, and so when you analyze it, so you're in it, so you're not thinking about your inner child or anything. No. So that's a descriptive term to explain to someone what might, what might be happening, but they come alive and it's, I don't watch the classes and she just and, and it's the same with other things too. You know, you could take a before and after with the massages or the facials yeah. or the, or SID stuff. Um, I mean, with anything where I think you just get back into your own internal space in your body and you get that rejuvenation happening. And so it's going to be apparent. And that's what we want here yeah. because it's really whole, the intention of the end. Yeah. The whole point is that you go home, you're a better person and You've been awakened to, we don't want vegans here necessarily. We want people that are thinking about their lives and they see what we're doing and they see this is a healthy way to go. And, you know, we're going to have a lot of leisure. Uh, robots are coming and the rest of it. What are you going to do? You know, are you going to just be doing games all the time on these things or on a computer here? Or are you going to be engaged in some way? And we want, we've been trying to scale years ago. I began before, before Dana, who brought a lot of innovation here into their gardens, but before her, we were trying to figure out a way to, to demonstrate and emulate how to garden, to get outside in a, maybe in a wine, a half a wine barrel, some kind of salad garden. Yeah, if you lived in an apartment. Yeah, yeah. it's just something to get people in touch with plants. And I, there was no analysis about this. It actually comes from my experience as an anthropologist, but there was no real, and I had to figure that out later, analysis. It just seemed to me to be good to get your hands dirty. And uh, this is, you know, 35 years ago. And it, it, it's a big thing. I think it should become a big thing in our life so that people become more sensitive to the environment and make better decisions. And we have a lot of people that come out of Silicon Valley and that come out of the business world in San Francisco and the rest of the Bay Area. And we want them to help them make better decisions. And as part of that, um, we also are, we have a field school for environmental leadership and, and sustainable leadership, actually. And we want those kids, and they come from schools like literally Yale, Beloit College, UC Santa Barbara, um, Santa Clara University just down south of us, and, and schools all, actually schools all over the West that come here for that program. We couldn't hold it this year, but they, we want to inspire them to not to become agriculturalists, or therapist or anything, but to become a lawyer or a businessman or an entrepreneur so that their decisions are better informed when they're making decisions that affect the environment. We want them sensitized. And we've had some success with that. That's how I look at the uh, Teach for America program. Yeah, we modeled it after that because our daughter had done that. And you know, when we read about it and learned about it, it was it was a program that took people from the colleges right after they graduated and had all that wonderful idealism and put them in really hard hit schools. You probably know about Teach for America. 
not with the idea that they were all going to become educators or teachers. Well, that was the original idea, but it didn't work. Oh, was that? I yeah. understood that. Anyway, what, what I read was that what they really wanted was for everybody in other aspects and other professions would have that awareness, that hands-on awareness of what it is to be in the classroom. And they'd always have a better appreciation and maybe make, as Jeff said, their other decisions would have that as an influencing factor. And now it's really about sustainability um, and, and climate, change. climate change. We want that to be really, I mean, I think the young people have it obviously, but um, to have that inform what they're doing in the world, whatever aspect of, I mean, whatever line of work they're doing. Um, everybody, everybody that can think and that, can, we, that we can touch in this way, that would help the world because it's got to be grassroots. Yeah. It's the small decisions. What are you doing with a plastic bag? And look at the waste that we're creating now with COVID-19. Oh, with COVID, it's horrible for us is, you know, because we're doing takeout now and the packaging and, and the bags and the, oh, everything. It just drives us crazy. We, but we've been careful. But, but here, I'm we sorry. Buy, we buy sugarcane based yeah, products. The best product. Yeah. But I was going to add on to when Jeff was talking about the gardening thing, the, the genesis for that is that I think we've all seen that with the sheltering in place. A lot of people have got back into gardening and cooking and, and canning and, and much more aware of what they're eating and where it's coming from. So I think that's a really positive thing. And now with the schools being uh, you know, in the position they're in, I think they're gonna take kids outdoors more. I'm hoping they take kids outdoors more and they get a lot more hands-on and, and the more that you're in contact. I, I mean, it's easy for us because we live, you know, we live where we work and we have our own septic system, our own wells. So we're really aware of the whole cycle. Whereas if you're 20 floors up in New York, I mean, my son was living there and there's a garbage chute in the hall and, and you know, everything comes under plastic in a store. It's, there's more of a disconnect. So the more we can connect to the sources of our food, I think that's really helpful. Anyway, that. sorry, that was a big tirade. No, it was good. It was good. <laughs> How long have you guys been married? Oh, a long time. <laughs> it's not just the sources of I mean, we met our... in, what, 72? 72. I never can remember the, when. I mean, I remember the day. It was a horrible day for her. But, um, horrible day. <laughs> no, it was a blizzard. And, and anyway. Um, uh, that was Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm from Winnipeg, Canada, and I was flying back from England, and um, you couldn't get attacked. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Jeff was picking up a person that I had met on the plane, and so he gave me a ride home. The classic story, I left the glove in his car. <laughs> no. <laughs> mitten or something. It was the glove, I think, was actually Whatever. In, in, in the... It was a long, long room. time ago, and um, yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> Wow. So a lot of people that are watching have been there and they love that it's, it's not just pet friendly, but that you actually give the dogs biscuits. Are there any rules and regu regulations on what kind of dog, how big, how many? Tell us a little bit about that, because that is going to be a draw for a lot of people, I'm sure. No, no restrictions. Uh, and the only we have had a lot sometimes. So I try to make sure there's no more than three. But a lot of people have two dogs. Um, we've really noticed that. And we make our own um, sweet potato Dog treats. Dog sweet, treats. It's they're sweet potato jerky. Is what it yeah, is. they're dried and and anyway, and people. Some dogs really like them. Some dogs don't, but most dogs really like them. They and want, they're they they're them. given to the guests along with um, some other, you know, the bowls and things that we put in the room. No, and really, I wanted to say this because I don't want to come off that we're some sort of a cult, or you know, we're we're this place. I mean, we're basically just an inn. We're actually we have white a, hair. We're, we're actually a four diamond inn, and, and the real 
thing, you know, is that we want to provide a wonderful experience for our guests. And all of this is because, as I said, our life is here. We live on the property. And so our values tend to get in integrated with what we're doing. We can't make a decision at home that we wouldn't apply to the inn because home is, inn is the home. So, um, but, you know, basically we're an inn and, and guests come here and as Jeff said, most of them are not at all into the vegan thing probably, or not necessarily into any of the wellness things. But what happens, they come here and the intention is that they're gonna get an experience. They're gonna unwind first of all, because <laughs> they're away, and they can just reconnect to themselves, to their partners, to nature, and hopefully, as Jeff said, we've really rejuvenated. And then the whole other aspect, the whole other layer of what we're doing in our philosophy, we do have a newsletter that we give guests. We're not doing it right now because of the COVID stuff. We're not supposed to have extra papers around, but, um, and that, that also has a, an effect on people because some of them, you know, will read it. I'm one of those people that checks in and reads all the stuff in the room. Um, and some people really read it and they get curious. And then we get a lot of people that come back that were intrigued. And so the next time they come back, they take a class they, and maybe one or maybe two. And, and then we started, um, Sid started, you know, actually creating uh, date specific retreats. So, they either can come when it's all set up with, with an agenda, or they can do it as an add-on where they get different aspects, like the meals are included and these classes are included. And those have actually really taken off. And I think right now with the COVID guests we've got, um, they're all wanting to do things. People are you know, kind of hungry for experiences and we do them all differently with the safety protocols in place, but people have really been wanting stuff, really wanting a lot of classes. So anyway, that's that's. I just wanted to add the thing about you know we are also in the <laughs> we're not just people talking we're, we're about a, we're a resort hotel. Yeah, that's right. We have. I don't, I'm not. This is not about sales, but the whole idea is to live more integratedly. Yeah. So gardening is something that we got on. We got classes. We have massage. We have all of that. But the whole idea is to enjoy life. Enjoy and life. And it's really hard to do right now when what you see on television is always about not the enjoyable parts of life, but about the bad news. And, um, and that's casting our relationships in a different light as human beings. I mean, it used to just write when, when I was growing up, and there are a lot, not, there are fewer and fewer people that can say that when they were growing up, their paper, their families were reading the newspaper. And there was a little bit of, a bit of that for our children, but they were very young. And then everything became more computer on computers and, and mediated that way, which is also um, not, you can, you, it's not a general feed, it's a specific feed for a lot of people. And we really hope that people can come to a vacation, I don't care where they go, and get away from that for a while and realize that the world that they see on these things, this is a computer I'm tapping, and on their phones is not the real world. The real world is the world of engagement that they live in and going away and getting you away from a, the, your everyday life to something that's slightly different really is fantastic to do. And Joan and I have to do it too, even though we live in what a lot of people consider as an ideal place. We go back to Winnipeg every year, but this year and we drive because it takes three full days to completely transition from the world we've been living in, which is the in world to you know the world of being on the road and then being with friends and family that we haven't seen for a year up in up in Canada. So how many rooms are there? How many guests can you have at one time? That's two different questions. So rooms, 
Rooms are 41 rooms and guests, we can probably have, we have enough beds probably to do about 120. Wow, are you guys open now? Yes. Nice. Not fully. Right now we had a fire in our, in a, an exhaust fan, um, which was a fan that had an overload protection on it and it didn't work. And that fan started a fire in the bathroom in our, uh, off our laundry. And that started the laundry on fire that started the kitchen on fire above it. So our kitchen is right now a 30 foot trailer that we're renting for about 7,000 a month to uh, produce food for our guests. So we restrict our menu so that only two people will be in there and at a time to maintain social distancing. But our kitchen will be reopening hopefully in about four to six weeks. Yes, right. we're, we're moving forward with getting it cleaned up. Are the dogs allowed everywhere or must they be unleashed? Tell us a little bit more about your pet policy. Under your control. Preferably on leash, but some dogs are really, are really good, like Murphy. M Murphy, our dog, was the, the end dog. She always was there, and she did not have to be on a leash. And there are other dogs that can be like that. Usually, people don't have time to train them that well. Right now, we have no such dog in our, fam in our family. But, um, but generally, on a leash, they can go everywhere but the pool because they have been known to jump into the pool, and then their hair clogs the filters, the sand filters on it. And, and the massage studio. The massage studio. They, they we, didn't let them in there. They don't let them in there. Well, they as we, we don't let them in there just simply because of dog hair and possible allergens, people with allergies. And uh, otherwise they can be every place except in the restaurant, which is a separate license than a bed and breakfast inn that we have for the rest of the building. So they can be in the lobby. Uh, so we serve food in our lobby dinner. Actually, it looks like a dining room. There's been so many people that bring dogs that we turned it more into a dining room, but it's still the lobby and dogs are in that part and people without dogs can be in the dining room. I'd rather be in the room where the dogs are. <laughs> better than children sometimes. Oh, I, you know, I agree. So speaking of the dining room, there's a question from John who says he is a heart patient of Dr. Esselstyn's and he's on a very strict program for reversing his heart disease. He can't have oil or sugar or salt or flour. Can you accommodate him? Not only can we accommodate him, when, I, when uh, somebody came to us and it was talking about compliant diets, that term is familiar with some of your listeners, you know, no oil, salt or sugar. And I'd never heard the term before. And I, it suddenly, it struck a chord. When I was in um, my first class and only class as an undergraduate in anthropology, and I switched as a, as a graduate student, I've always been a little late. Um, in any case, the professor who was an Italian guy, Marco Bicchieri said, came out and said, we really don't understand early man. Early man came to a place in, I will say today like Hawaii, there was food everywhere. They weren't club wielding Neanderthals or, or Homo erectus or something like that. The Homo erectus were uh, plant pickers and diggers and eating a vast amount of, of food that was almost freely given. It was just everywhere. They lived in a, uh, the earliest men lived in a rift valley that had a climate most likely like Hawaii year round, grew everything. And um, the people that weren't successful and this is the picture that I got, and there's tons of evidence, people are reading, writing about this now. The people that weren't successful as populations grew, and they weren't necessarily what we call people now, were pushed out, and they were the ones forced to eat animals because when they were pushed to, the land was more marginal, and the climate and, and the environment didn't produce the 
food plants that were produced in that Rift Valley. So eating meat was a question that was those was something that somebody had to do because they weren't living in the ideal place that they couldn't live in because they got pushed out. And if you think about it, uh, Northern people grew up along the margins of glaciers and there were only animals to eat there. And they were pushed there by people that were able to hold on to lands that were much more generous or as that Italian called it, precocious. They would lots of, with lots of plants and edibles to eat. So those people, us, had to, de to develop technology, the technology of war in particular, um, and bows and arrows and eventually gunpowder and all that to, produce, to, to gain the food and to take over the lands that we wanted to take over um, to, to, feed our, to feed our populations. And um, being vegan is the most natural thing to do. I believe all our ancestors arrived that way. We, we early predecessors, I should say, because they weren't human as we know them now, the microbiome that we live with, the soil bacteria, is we evolved with them as well. It demonstrates to us that plants are the way to go. And oil use did not come to plant eaters until after 5,000 years ago, sometime after 5,000 years ago, when I guess the Greeks were starting to press olive oil to make body emollient, and then they started eating it. So we have many things in our recipe that are oil-free, um, very low or no, no added sodium at all. And those things are not treats, so therefore there's no sugar at all. Or other airsat sugars like agave or honey or something. Of course, we don't use honey at all. That's a, not a vegan. Nice. Uh, did Monica, you I'm sorry about that. If I put anybody to sleep, <laughs> thank me. It's hard to sleep these days. <laughs> Did, did you raise your children vegan or vegetarian and did they remain that way if they were? Yes, we did not. We raised them as we were. Uh, we had a little difficulty with one of them. I won't identify that person now. Um, and eventually I said, I'm not cooking this stuff anymore at a holiday. That was in the early 90s. And um, yes, they're, they're all they're vegan now. And they've been vegan for a long, long time. Kate was vegan uh, right along with us. And um, our, our son is, is, has been vegan, I don't even know how long, but for a long time. Yeah, nice. because if we feed our guests that, we better be feeding our families that. We shouldn't live the double standard. You think about the guy that, uh, Mackie, who had Whole Foods in the past, he was vegan, and yet he promoted the sale of meat, sale of meat because he had a, sh a shareholder-owned company. And he knew he was probably making a mistake, and now he doesn't own it anymore. And it was probably a good decision to get out from underneath that. If you have to have a grocery store with meat in it, don't do it. I had, I had an encounter with a famous environmentalist, I'm not gonna mention it, owning a resort or operating a resort serving steak. And he was supposedly vegan. I said, how can you do that? It, you it wouldn't was, serve, it you was wouldn't not serve. doable for us, but we a lot of people can handle that kind of, you know, what do you call it? Compartmentalize, compartmentalize I never can say you that word. Clintonous? Com, you know, compartmentalizing your life. I mean, we it was just hard, harder for us to do that we when, wanted an because we life. lost a lot of guests when we took off the eggs at breakfast. I mean, people, the breakfast has always been part of the room rate. And so we, you know, we had this fabulous we lost breakfast. Guests. We lost guests when we opened a vegetarian restaurant and we never ever had been a meeting place at all. And then um, as an open place, as a, a bed and breakfast in with a fancy breakfast at that point, that was after we dropped the continental breakfast. And we got guests heard that we were vegetarian 
and they wouldn't come here anymore and they've been eating our breakfast all along. And then when we dropped the eggs and yeah, butter and, and all that stuff, we, we had another mass exodus. But actually the worst of those exoduses was that first one when people all of a sudden realized that we were feeding them vegetarian food with, with eggs and, and, and milk. And in, in any case, they were insulted and they left. We had a lot of letters of complaint and people actually yelled at me in the in our new lobby at the time. Because they liked coming and they did, they were, they want, and we still get that every so often people will write you and say, and I mean, it's legitimate. We just had, we just had that we did, Yeah, you know, that, you know, you, you're, you're, you're imposing your values on us, something like that. But they have the option to stay. I mean, we're the only one here. There's many, many other options. We're the only here. one in the country. But I mean, they, so. they don't have to stay here. Yeah. So if they choose to stay here, and we don't hide it, if it's a phone call, we, we always mention it, and it's all over the website. But um, but if they if they come and, and then they just resent it that they can't. And I guess now I think I think there is a pent up level of frustration. So everybody is a little more aggressive when something rubs them the wrong way. And they'll just, you know, challenge us that, you, you know, you're serving the public and the, the public wants this, you should provide it. And to heck with your values kind of thing. But that that really, as I said, was one of our um, you know, we had a problem early on deciding how we were going to do it. And we came at innkeeping as what would we want when we checked into a room. And when we first opened, we had like a carafe of wine because we thought that would be very welcoming and a little bouquet of flowers and did things we could do on a small scale, which we don't do anymore. But um, we sell wine. We sell wine. <laughs> we have a vegan, bar. vegan wine. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I think I think that it comes up. People do. You, as Jeff says, you know, you're somehow there's um, it's it's a it's a really a hot button issue for a lot of people when somebody is has a different way of eating for some reason more so than even probably well I don't suppose it's not not more so than politics but it does get people riled up for sure well like you said they have a choice I mean they could technically stay there and eat somewhere else too if they really wanted to you know I teach I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Rancho La Puerta in Tecate Mexico I've, I've taught there about once or twice a year for the past 10 years and I'm so excited they just booked me for next year so if you guys are free it's August I, I think is my my month but but people complain there because when Deborah Seke who's like 97 and doing great founded it it was completely vegetarian and they had so much pressure now they have a little bit of fish and people get so unhappy like they can't go like one meal without meat you know or they didn't used to have coffee and alcohol the same thing and they it, they now they serve those things so thank you for being in line with your own ethics and i think what you're talking about is is cognitive dissonance people that can it's like i i know this veterinarian who hunts like by the day he saves animals and then on the weekend he kills animals or I actually know a guy who went vegan for heart disease reasons and he owns an exterminator company so I don't know you know I like that you are in line with your ethics well it's, it's probably as I say we, we have the advantage of, of living here it's harder for us if you know to if you if you didn't live on your property I think but everybody has conflicts about something you, you do have conflicts and the, the important part is and I work with people on with meditation sometimes. The important thing is to identify those conflicts and not to come down hard on yourself, but to realize it's better to not tie up energy with this conflict that was hidden for a long time and make and move in the way that is you, which is how exactly how I got to being vegetarian, what we're talking is vegetarian, but it was that vegan notion of not hurting another being for your welfare when you don't need to do it 
there's absolutely no need to do it. Um, and that that's, was an easy decision to make because I was, I was sorting out, um, I'd gotten hurt and this was in 1985 and I was stuck because I couldn't walk for two weeks and I had nothing to do and I was smelling food that Joan was making and I realized it couldn't kill that chicken which is really where it came from. And I realized that eating it put me into conflict and I didn't realize, I, didn't, I don't even know today how much energy that took up what I was hiding from. But I just made a decision that I'm not going to do that anymore. And um, some decisions, some conflicts are, are inevitable. You can't, but at least own it yourself. If you don't want to share it, that's fine. One of the conflicts is serving food the way we are, but we don't have a choice at this point. But it's a conflict for us to do that. We make the best compromises we can. So we use what's called biogas, which is really um, processed sugarcane. Which, by the way, if you don't get PLA, which is a sort of a plastic lining on that, um, which is also made out of plants, it will ruin your tables and your rooms, which we found out because people were eating on that. So we can't serve on dishes because we don't have a dishwasher. Here. But it really bothers us that, that we, can't, we can't serve the way we want to. A lot of people are asking, what do you guys eat in a day? And did you either, have an, either of you have any health issues with going vegan or before going vegan? Uh, no, and no, we don't have health issues before, and we don't have any after. We're, 70, we're, we're talking, we're knocking wood. We're 74 and 70. Stop it. I knocked on the door. Stop it. I knocked on wood. Sorry, they thought someone was at the door. Um, sorry, that was me knocking on wood. Um, Parker. So we're older, and um, and the point is, is there's nothing there. And when I, I have a, I had a knee injury years ago, and when, when it finally went out and I had to get surgery. Ellie, Ellie yeah. That's our son's dog. We blame it on him. Ellie, come here. Good. Sorry about that. Sorry, no, I'm... that's okay. He can come on the show. We love animals. Okay, come on, Parker. We get... love pets. Oh, no, she's not going to visit. Uh, you want to come up? Anyway, he had to get his knee replaced. And when um, a knee replacement, and you know they give you forms, you probably all your listeners know this, when you go in the hospital and it's a long list of have you had this, have you had that, and, and we didn't. Jeff hadn't had anything. And then there was even a backside, like we went down the whole front and then on the back, there were a bunch more things. So the doctor couldn't believe it. And I recently had something too. And it was the same thing where she listed what medications I was on and all this stuff. And I wasn't on anything. Um, but to answer what, uh, what we eat, we both have oatmeal in the morning uh, with berries. Lots um, of berries. Lots of berries. I drink tea, Jeff drinks tea and then also coffee, but I don't drink coffee. Um, for lunch, we have different things. We have salads. We have, uh, we have. Well, of course, we an can get food from the restaurant. An and, adobo tostada, which is yeah. made with, which and, is my favorite thing right now, which is uh, walnut and cauliflower with adobo slices, and uh, on a on a tostada with lots of salad. So it's basically a salad um, on top of it, and of course, a salsa and some. Avocado, and then uh, dinner is we. I make dinner, and we have a garden here. Like when we were sheltering, it was wonderful because the, we didn't have any. Well, we had minimal staff, but we did have a couple of gardeners, and they would bring us greens. And we were so aware of keeping our immune system bolstered and not being too stressed. And it was stressful, um, you know, just the whole concept of the inn being closed for the first time, and and um, you know. But we were cooking lots of greens and rice and beans. We and still cook that. We, right? That's basically I could live on rice and beans and yeah, greens. Yeah, we make enchiladas. We made lasagna with 
eggplant and or zucchini, but we don't use, didn't use noodles. We try to use all plant-based for that stuff. No oil. I don't cook with oil. I haven't cooked with oil for years. That was an early part of this conversation when I realized they weren't cooking with oil or animal fats or anything like that uh, a million, a million eight hundred thousand years ago, but they were using fire. That's what caused the brain to grow, um, which releases the nutrients in a lot of plants. We're, um, that's how we ate. And that, that's, we ate that way for the three months we were closed and then the, the produce stopped coming. <laughs> we have to go buy it now or get it from the garden, collect it from the garden. But we, you know, it's a, it's, it's a process because we, that stuff is supposed to be used in the restaurant. Um, and the food bank. They were also, during the sheltering yeah, time, we, they, they were harvesting and anyone on staff not working, I mean, they weren't here, but they could come one day a week, he would, or two days a week maybe, he would have a harvest and people could come and take the produce and then anything else went to the food bank. But, um, but now we're walking. But now, now, you know, now we're back into, um, yeah, we order in a fair bit too. From the restaurant. But Jeff loves to cook. I've never been that crazy about cooking, but Jeff's, luckily he loves to cook. Well, I, I, I like to cook because I like to experiment. But yeah. once the experiment's over, I'm not really I do on. bake. I, I like to bake. I don't like cooking again. I mean, like I like to play with cooking, but I don't want to be a cook or the family cook. So we order in. It's a good way to go. Well, people are commenting on how nice your skin looks and they're wanting to know if you'll tell them how old you are. Yeah. I'm 96 and Joan is 92. That's right. No, no. I, I'm 72 and Jeff's 74. <laughs> yeah. No, but, and it may look better on the screen. I'm, I'm at the stage where I go, I look and I'm so aware, like, you know, my, um, you know oh, how they don't want to know. They don't want to. Yeah, Your skin gets thinner and, and I get all these little marks on my hands. I mean, I, I'm very aware of my well, skin the dogs, changing. The dogs, so. the dogs play with her and you get, you get uh, little bruises. Hey. Hey, I'm, I'm only 16. I get those too. You get bang and it's like, wow, it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Deborah's asking about your gardening classes, if you could talk about that. And, and with your art classes, I actually watched a few of them on YouTube. They were great. Oh, was that the ones I just did recently on? Uh -huh. I, like, I enjoyed them. I love arts and crafts. Thank you. Because they actually get silly. The gardening classes, um, they depend, right now, the, the focus on our gardening classes is on um, small-scale farming, uh, how, to, how to grow and grow soil and how to, to grow. Boy, it really would help if we had any idea as to um, what, what kind of gardening classes they're talking about, because we have a huge gardening program. They can go to growbiointensive.com and they will see what we participate in. This is a, this is the major site now for um, for John Jevons' small-scale small farming program. He wrote a book in 1972, I think it was, called How to Grow More Vegetables on Less Land and with Less Water Than You Ever Thought Possible. And, um, and that's the short version of the, the title. <laughs> and it's a really good book. It's in its ninth, ninth printing now. And uh, it's ninth edition, actually, because it, it was that thin, now it's that thick. It's got so much important work in there. And we use that here and we teach people from, you know, from Ghana and Africa, Kenya, South America, Peru, the different countries down there, middle America and definitely Mexico. They come up here or over here to learn how to do the kind of uh, farming that we're talking about. Then they go back and they literally, literally train thousands of other people that become trainers and train thousands of other people in their countries on how to do small scale farming to, to relieve poverty in those nations. 
and to also provide really a, to, 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 to really improve health. And I think Joan and I, I think the important thing here is that Joan and I are healthy, but we're not healthy by going to a certain diet or doing anything except figuring out that eating whole plants was the best way to go. And that's what we've been doing for a long time. And we also, when we were just vegetarian, we weren't, I don't, we weren't eating cheese and a whole bunch of that stuff. We were calling ourselves vegetarian, but still eating predominantly whole foods. You know, I don't even like Beyond Burger, but I like Amy's, you know, black bean burger, for example, because Beyond Burger tastes like meat. Uh, it and your, ta your taste does change, for and, sure. And that oily stuff, which they, they use um, coconut oil, and I forgot what Impossible Burger uses to make the juice, but it's too, it tastes like oil. It's, you know, if you're, one of the things that happen as a vegan is that your taste becomes so much more sensitive, so much more refined. You might as well become, you're becoming to food just for, on a personal basis, as much as a wine expert, a sommelier is, is, is about wine. It's very cool what happens. Our sensitivities grow. It and then you use more um, spices and I mean, it, it gets to be a little more of a palette. I mean, I, I think it's interesting what, what, I mean, things I'd never heard of before that we have in our drawer now. I think she's looking. Dina wants to know if you guys eat nuts, seeds, and tofu. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Nice. Don't, don't have any issues with tofu. Um, it has, the fiber has been removed. That's, a, that's an issue, but we eat plenty of fiber. And, and I would else. eat more nuts and, and seeds if I could, but I, you know, you can only have, you're so, not supposed to have too many. Well, the thing is, it, I love them. The thing, the thing is, is that you eat a handful a day is, is really sufficient. And um, yeah, we eat them. And, but we don't, we personally don't make cheese out of them, but we do up at the end, we make cashew cheese and we can make stuff, walnut pâtés and stuff like that. Do you guys exercise a lot? No. Not as much as we should. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have very good intentions and we walk and we, I, I have a bike. Um, which I try to do a, a minimum every day, something every day. I'm trying, I'm a big, you know, Sid, I know you had on the show and, and Sid has a small steps program. And, and one of the things that he starts you very, at the very beginning is, you know, that who are you? Like, who's the person? Is it the person that wants to do something or is it the person? Anyway, he, he has this sort of process he takes you through. I would like to be the person that exercises much more than I do. I, I have done yoga, but that's shut down right now. And I love that. Um, I really needed it because I was so inflexible. And you do your, you do your workouts just about do, every day. I, he, I, he does. I do, I do a workout. Um, I aspire to do more. Um, and, I, and I have a, a training bike that I use, a road bike. Um, I do weight, weight, I do resistance training and all of that. I found that it makes, it enables me to sleep better. Yet I found, I found that it keeps me flexible and it's absolutely essential uh, to keep the, my legs strong because I didn't have one damaged knee. I just had one damaged knee that was more damaged than the other. So I don't want to do another surgery or anything like that. And all those exercises strengthen the muscles to support the knee, which is, you know, not got a lot of cartilage in it, in it the one that's, that hasn't been repaired. So. Yes, we exercise, but not, it's not, it's, it's, a, it's a wish to do more, but it's not something that overrides me, and I don't think Joan at all. We just continue to do what we can do, and we don't obsess on it. 
that's the, I think that's the biggest problem to get stress about exercise, which is supposed to remove stress has got to be idiotic. Angela says your website is gorgeous. The place looks like paradise. And Susan says she wants to be you guys when you grow up. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so what is the secret to a long, healthy life and a long, happy marriage like you both seem anger. to have enjoyed? It's, it's anger. I, I have a lot of anger in me and I'm always working on it. I think that's the thing. I think you keep working with yourself as a project and you keep understanding and engaging. You don't you don't reach a plateau or something. You don't ever achieve it. You don't even know what a plateau is. You just keep going. You get something done and you look what needs to be done next. I, th I really think that's important. I just had this conversation with a group of innkeepers from around the country last Thursday and they were talking about that. And I, you know, they're talking about where they are in their business and all that. And I was like completely different. And considering that I'm probably the oldest in that group, um, it's kind of sad that these people are leveling it out or already have leveled it out and, and, and not doing so much diminishing in a way. We just grow and, and keep going because it's what we've always done. That's what we started with. The concept of aging and all that is a concept that we bring to life. But if you think about how we come to life and what happens and the stages that we move through in an anthropologist, there's no reason for that. Absolutely no reason for that. Nice. Too. We've been really fortunate because the um, we've had wonderful people come here either as guests or people that have ended up becoming key employees here. And when you're involved with people that are really committed to what they're doing, passionate about what they're doing, um, I'm thinking of Anne and Larry too, when we'd have conversations at dinner, she'd bring out papers and she was always reading and, and learning and, you know, to have that curiosity and not to feel like it's over or it's slowing down. I mean, you, it, it's, you know, you can't deny that certain things are obviously happening and changing, but the mind can stay hopefully, you know, alive and engaged and curious and, and learning. Um, and when you have people around you that bring that kind of energy, that's one of the things about that um, field school Jeff mentioned. It really does, because I can get really down about, you know, what's going on in the world and that now we're all fighting with each other and the country, how depressing and this and that. I mean, you can all do that. Um, but then when you have people that are actually doing something like these young people that are interns and and they're so, they're so forward thinking and they're not weighed down by cynicism or, or pessimism. They, they, it's, a real, it's a real balance for me. And of course, right now having the grandkids here, I think when you're around little ones, and that's part of my whole thing with the, with the creative, creativity, um, when you're around little ones, life is always expanding until you stop it. And so I feel that's one of the secrets. And in terms of a happy marriage, I think it's a lot of what people say. You have to you have to find your own self in it and, and make sure you're happy. You, the other person can't make you happy. Um, you know, you can be attracted. Don't try. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you have, to, you have to find a way to, you know, keep yourself interesting and alive. And so when you get up in the morning, it's not like, oh, there he is. It's kind of like he's going to tell me something interesting today. And I, I mean, it's almost always true. Um, and, of course, I don't read what he reads, so he could be lying. <laughs> We've always said this when Jeff tells us a long story. It's like, well, we don't know if that's true or not. We don't. We didn't read all that material. But he's he's full of he's always reading a lot of science magazines and things. And so, having that in my life keeps me young. I think just because I'm learning, I'm definitely learning. And I think I have 
a pretty, um, I balance some of his intensity by being a little more easygoing. Um, so when he's having a bad time, I try to just give him a lot of space. That's another secret. I don't see her <laughs> For anyone who's brave enough to marry someone <laughs> who has a temper, uh, give them space. Wow. Well, Lisa says you have a wonderful, infectious smile. And Gabriella says, do you guys ever have guest chefs or guest presenters? I'd love to go if Chef AJ was there. Oh, we'd love to. Wouldn't we've, that be great? We've done it once or twice. We have. Generally speaking, you're not precocious, or in a sense, not that way. I didn't actually mean that. Precocious. What I didn't that mean? mean precocious. I actually meant <laughs> arrogant. Um, what? <laughs> You I know, don't think I'm either, but I don't know. No, no, I hope not. Well, I, I, the wrong word came to mind. Um, <laughs> Maybe it, that's the wrong word, too. <laughs> no, no, no. Some, some chefs have been arrogant that we've had, like that interior decorator we had. Remember well, you that? saw me in Marshall at the Iron Chef. Did I seem arrogant? You were a judge, remember? No, you're not. No, you're not. you would be fine. You would be fabulous. You would be fabulous. No, you're not arrogant. You turned yourself upside down on, on uh, the, the night show with Johnny Carson. Remember yeah. that? I would love to have you come so, here. So, so we're fine. With, with I, I'm told I'm pretty easy to work with because I mean, sometimes I'll get frustrated like if something doesn't work, but but I, I think I'm pretty easy to work with. That's, that's not it at all. We, we, Wait till we have our kitchen. <laughs> I think right now everybody's frustrated. So we, we have done that once before and it didn't go well, obviously. And then we have had the writers of cookbooks that had a restaurant or have a restaurant someplace else and they come and present here at the end for free, free, free accommodations or something like that. That didn't go well with me because I actually thought that was uh, a little bit too much arrogance. No, I know you, you would be fantastic. And we have had really interesting people when the man talked about the, the, the man with the heart condition or the heart, heart, healthy heart diet. We had somebody, I forget his name right now, but he Steven, came, he came, came from, from Chicago and he, he some just, of our he guests- He just moved to UCSB um, and his, his mother just told me that. No, he's in Cornell, he's at the hospital in Monterey. Oh, that's right, Anyway, um, he came in and he gave a, a talk, like we publicized it and he, and a lot, it was really interesting. He went, you know, he had a regular PowerPoint, but he did it as a, as a free thing for the community. He's um, and he stayed with us, with his family and, and then we've had other people like that. And if anybody wants to come with their own little area or their book, I mean, we've had people come and um, do a book event. Um, but I've, again, done... it, it's, it's, it's what makes it interesting for us. We have to continually reinvest in, in the in, in with our own, with our own interests, you know, and, and, our, and invent new things because obviously doing something for 40 years, it, it can become drudgery if, if that's not how you approach it. So having new people come to us, people like you, um, it's yeah. wonderful for us. Come up here when we can do it. Yeah, yeah, we'd hopefully, love it. Hopefully, hopefully this time next year, or perhaps it'll be the beginning of 2022. It's yeah. it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a while because we can't do the all the classes. We can't do yoga and massage right now, well, so and, it's not the, the same. And the best part about having a guest chef is a presentation by the chef. Yeah, and and we do this with wineries when you have winemaker dinners um, in, in a room where there's actually people attending, they can't, it's not so good virtual. Yeah, and they can do an exchange, you know, they yeah. talk and yeah. yeah. Well, like, you know, when I think about that, you know, Rancho La Puerta wouldn't have had me back that many times if I yeah. was not easy to get along with because the people that really uh, decide whether you come back are 
are the people that work in the kitchen. And, you know, that's, it's, it's the guests too. It's, it's, it's based on what the guests say, but if the people that are supporting you in the kitchen, if you're one of those prima donnas, they actually, that's what they say is that I'm one of the easiest chefs to work with because I'll tell them to get an ingredient and they don't get it. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll do something else, you know? No, you don't have to sell yourself to us. Yeah, well, thank you. Hey, so speaking of, you know, beautiful places to go, if you guys already live in paradise, do you ever leave? Like, do you go on vacation? And if so, where would you go? Because I, I, I think if I lived where you lived, I would never leave. Canada. Well, well, as I said, I'm from Canada and my family had a, a cottage, has a cottage on a lake, like Winnipeg, which is a great big lake, like a like one of the great lakes. But a very tiny cottage and, and next it, to other tiny cottages. But it's a little community. And uh, I grew up there. My dad grew up there and, and uh, my cousin, well, we have fifth generation kids there now. Um, and we go back every summer, as Jeff said, we drive back. So that's our place to go where we really unwind. It's a totally different way of life. We cook, he, he develops a lot of restaurants there because we cook a lot Rest, recipes. recipes. Um, not restaurants. Um, but that's one place we go. And then we've been obviously to the city and, and we, we don't go do a lot of big trips because it's hard for us. We have animals, you know, we have the horses and, and um, the dogs and, and cats. It's just hard sometimes to get people to stay here because we're also the night bells of the inn. So whoever house sits, has to be able to handle anything that comes up when the staff leaves. So it's it's we're a little tied down in that respect, uh, very tied down in that respect. But when we go away, we we make that trip to Canada. That's kind of um, we have it's, people that it, are happy to do it for us because they want us to get out of here. Actually, too. our garden our garden staff our garden staff are interns are who who come in and do it. They they appreciate getting away from the other interns probably. We don't know, but um, they come and they take over the, the barn where we live and um, they take care of the cat that we have that won't come inside. And they don't have to worry about uh, We have two older horses and two older donkeys and three uh, this un unnecessary llamas in the sense that nobody wants male llamas. So we adopted three of them. The, the donkeys are adopted too. They're from it's kind Texas. of all of it. It's a bit of an animal sanctuary. Yeah, it's a, yeah, we have it's a little bit a little tiny animal sanctuary. We just don't have enough land. I, we'd have more. We don't have any problem having the animals, but our our gardening staff is in charge of all of that, and they take good care of everything. Yeah. And we are one of my closest friends is a veterinarian here, and she does large animals. We have just uh, thirty minutes from here, a the B Bryant Bryan Preserve, which has giraffes and and uh, zebras and I don't know what else there. Exotic animals. Exotic animals, which are actually, it's a sanctuary, it's a sanctuary too. And uh, Joan wants to take our granddaughter down there to meet a giraffe. You know, giraffes have heads that long. I mean, they're huge, almost half of the size of my body, like three or four feet. Yeah, we, we have something here called the Living Desert. I've never been there, but they, they have giraffes. You can feed them. So Diane wants to know how close you are to the water. And Amy wants to know if you'll be serving Thanksgiving dinner this year. Yes. Well, we will be serving it. We're hoping we're serving it from the dining room, but um, I mean, the from kitchen, the kitchen, from but I, kitchen. I'm afraid it's probably still going to be dine out because of our county regulations. No, we, we can't serve. We're not going to be able to serve in the restaurant. I, I, I'll go into that. Let's just answer your question. Yes, on Thanksgiving, the, the number of choices might be reduced because of the kitchen facility. If it hasn't, we haven't reopened our kitchen and it will be, it will be takeout. Uh, the, or not take out, we can take to the room. So take out or delivered. But um, that that's just the nature of it because I don't think the county is going to be out of the purple status that it's in now. You're in California, correct? You're in Los Angeles? Yeah. Well, actually, I'm near Palm Springs. I moved about two years ago. 
tough down there. We like it here better. It's cooler. Yeah. With regard to uh, what was the second? The part? ocean. We're 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 our property goes right down to Highway One, which is right along the ocean. So right across the highway from us is the is the are the cliffs and, and the ocean. A, and we have our own beach. Um, and we, then we, and then well, Ketchikanu. I would never promote that as a beach because you can't really. It's pebbly. But right across the bridge from us, so within like a quarter mile, is Big River Beach and the ocean, obviously. Yeah, Big River Beach. So that we're on the estuary. The bay and estuary is, you know, basically a thing, and um, That's we our have northern boundary. And we have a, the canoe. We have the canoe business down there. We actually have a a, a dock that goes out into. We had to get special permission from the Corps of Army Engineers to put a dock out, which is going down to the neck of the bay. So um, we don't let people go out into the bay because it's it's pretty shallow and the water gets really rough. It could kill you. It has killed people. And, uh, but people can go up the estuary and explore that. They just go up with the tides. So yeah, we have, we do, but it's technically a beach. I just want to say, technically we have a beach, but we prefer people didn't get tangled up on the And it's very tiny, I, it's misleading. He, just ignore that. Jeff is misleading you to think that we have a beach on our side. It's very, very pebbly and small. It's very okay. pebbly and small and, and- But there's a beautiful, big, long beach on the other a, side. On the other side, but where we are is it's rocky and on the other side, it's sandy. Well, yeah, beautiful that's the sand. Difference. So and we're, we're just- we're just a quarter mile from the little village of Mendocino, which sit, which sits out sits sorry sits out on a little peninsula. I like the first word that you sorry. said. Uh, yeah. uh, Lisa wants to know: Is there a favorite time of year or month that they recommend visiting? For example, during the music festival festival, or is there a time of year that is particularly pretty or has the nicest weather? Just the the, the spring is we love this recommending the spring to people because the days are longer the hills are still really green because you're going to come up here you know through um through the the hills of california which in the fall are you know kind of straw colored because of drying out so the spring and the everything's in bloom the days are longer so that's a very beautiful time um the fall is my favorite time, always here. Uh, the nights are really crisp and the mornings are crisp and the days are warm and it's clear and the, sky, the skies are magnificent in, in the fall. Winter, um, there is, in terms of winter is a lot of people's favorite time, either because they love the storms or they just like that it's slower in the winter here. Um, Christmas is a popular time here and Thanksgiving. Um, but she asked what our favorite was. My favorite's the fall. Your favorite's the spring. spring. Um, and, and then spring starts very early here. And I judge it by when the jonquils or daffodils come out. Yeah, January. And it's January. And we can start planting the garden because we're getting enough light. And we're on a on the south side, a north side of a ridge. So therefore, we get a lot of shade where we do a lot of planting. Um, we need the sun at a certain height. So we can start planting in February. And that's an exciting time of the year. The spring that Joan is talking about, which is really nice because of the longer days, starts after after the uh, first weekend of March when we change the count the clock again and we you know lose lose an hour, but at the same time we get a longer day, uh, daylight day. Anytime after that's a great time to come. But my favorite month is is actually May. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of festivals, there is a music festival. The Mendocino Music Festival is in July. The film festival has been in June. 
Um, in the fall, there's um, there's a, something called the paint out that the art center puts yeah, on. Then there's the mushroom festival and the crab. They ha there's festivals all through the year. If you just go to Mendocino. Um, yeah, but wait till wait till 20. I'm sorry. Yeah, and nothing's happening. Wait, 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 wait a good year. I, I think we need a certain level of immunity and I, we're not getting that for about a year from now. Wow. And, uh, and I, I do believe from the stuff that I read and she's right, I do read a lot of science and I don't read a bunch of junk science, you know, the stuff that people want or want to want to believe. I, I, I think it's going to take that long to get to that immunity level in this country. And once we're there, it'll be easier to move around. But I hope we remember some of the lessons that this time has taught. Well, how do you get there, though? Because I, I don't like driving in a car. Can I fly there? It's hard. Helicopter? No, you can't fly there. If your parents are still living, they can lift you up as helicopter parents. That's a very bad joke, but I it's thought very it's bad, very bad. The, the closest airport, there's a, a county airport in Santa Rosa, which is like a two-hour drive from here. It is a beautiful drive, but it is twisty. Um, and, you know, once you leave 101, you're on a two-lane, but it's absolutely beautiful. So just, you can take it at your own You're going speed. through primo wine country. You're going through wine country and then the redwoods and then the ocean. I mean, it's sort of a three-pronged perfect drive, but it is twisty. And people often say that, that they would come again if, if we straightened out that road. But it's also is what has kept Mendocino as lovely as it is. If it had been developed with big freeways or something, it wouldn't be the way it, it is. It would be overdeveloped. But, um, but the uh, most people fly to Oakland or San Francisco and then drive up and a lot through to, to Sacramento as well, I guess. So, so but there's what, really no, there is some public transportation too. But the demand demand is really up compared to last year because last year we were really having some nasty fires. Yeah. Um, but and the year before the demand is up. But I think that's primarily because people have to drive here. They want to be safe, and driving is a safe way to go. And going to a, a decent hotel or motel on the way, you can be very safe if, if, you, if you just follow, you know, the mass of social distancing and go and go to and do food takeout. And that that works. And um, for you, would, I do the drive to LA, well, to Palm Springs, I can do that one easily a day, but um, you probably wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I don't, I'd, I'd have to fly. So you recommend San Francisco or Santa Rosa? I recommend. Well, if you can get to Santa Rosa, it's much, it's much, um, it's two hours versus three and a half, and it's uh, more user friendly. It's small, so it's an easy one to go in and out of. But, but it doesn't have the restaurants that San Francisco has. Yes, but it has True North, where I get to work too. So see, see what I mean? Yeah, that's right. True so you, do you fly to to Santa Rosa when you do that? Yes. Yeah, so you know the airport. Yeah, and I love the airport, Charles yeah. Schultz. It's adorable. It's yeah. it's a it's a great little airport. People love it. Yeah. Yeah, but they just stopped all the United flights. Oh, so I guess it has to be um, uh, Alaska. They have Alaska Airlines. And I think American might be what's coming in and didn't come American in. American Eagle or something like that. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy because we finally got Southwest Airlines in Palm Springs. And that's oh, one of my. Great. I like Southwest. Airlines. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's so fun talking to you guys. It's I, I thank you so much for the work you you're doing that you've been doing and i hope more people will find out about your place and come especially knowing what they know now that it's vegan and pet friendly what more could anyone want exactly thank you well we really appreciate you you're you reaching a, out you need a bed in a hotel so that's <laughs> something they could want yeah. but yeah. we will get to come up here if we could fly you in we would yeah. you know you guys have such a great rapport you guys should think about doing your own show Oh, yes, and we've got one other person to add to this thing, and it gets really rowdy and a little bit 
Probably we would need to not have... PC. That would be Sid. If we brought Sid here, we would have a lot of fun with Sid. We have a lot of fun. But no, we're 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 on on uh, we're on our best behavior. Your 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 guests will probably. I mean, yeah. if anybody comes, they're going to say, "Well, gee, they're not at all like they were on that show." We'll, we'll disintegrate <laughs> as soon as as soon as we hang up. No, and when, you know we're 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 like everybody else. And I think what Jeff touched on earlier—that thing about not being hard on yourself, whether you are a vegan or you're not a vegan—I mean, I think that's a huge, a huge thing. I, we've got enough to worry about without beating ourselves up about what we're not doing all the time. All right. Yeah. Well, thank thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And I look forward to seeing you again. And maybe Sid and I'll get to some health festival where you are, and we'll have some fun and we'll go out and eat. Great. All right. Sounds good. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow when we have a double header at 11 a.m. Pacific time, Jill Nussenau, and at 2 p.m. Pacific time, JL Fields. They're both going to be doing cooking demos, and JL has a brand new book, so you won't want to miss it. Thanks again, Joan and Jeff. You guys are terrific. Thank you. Thanks have a lot. Fun. Have and you're fun. terrific. And we enjoy, I enjoyed spending some time with you again. It's been like four years. Okay. Maybe I'll come when the wheats are there. That would be really fun. And you know, when I met you was at the PCRN meeting at the, some hotel down, down by um, the Universal, Universal, the Universal Sheraton. And it was April of 2010. Wow. That long ago? Yep. Because I remember because I had a broken knee. I was wearing a, a brace. It's when I did all the German chocolate cakes. I did like 300. I don't remember. Oh I don't remember, but I know that you were the, the featured chef there. And um I was surprised to be invited. I didn't even know why. Um, but thanks for all you do. And they were having fundraising. I found out what it was. Uh -huh. Well, great. All right, guys. Well, got to go. So I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take thanks care. a lot. Bye-bye.